This episode of Carolina Sports Talk is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern value meets Southern charm. Right now, check out their fall and holiday collection with candle scents such as Caramel Latte, Fireside, Sweet Potato and Brown Sugar, and our personal favorite, Orange Spice. This scent is cloves wrapped in a citrusy orange essence that takes you all the way back to Grandma's house. This one is sure to be your favorite, just like it is ours. Make sure to go visit secandlecode.com and use our promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's S-E-C-A-N-D-L-E-C-O.com, where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk NFL highlights and scores. We do a little big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Can y'all feel that? Can you feel that thing that's oozing out your doggone hands? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your man, Big Cliff. As always, make sure you check us out on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. Make sure you hit us up on the social media at Carolina Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram, or you can hit us up on the show line, Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net. We are excited to be back with you again another week. As always, I got my main man, my guy, DJ Highstar, in the building with me. Make some noise for him, people. Highstar, what's good with you, bro? Can I have your attention? What's up? What's up, people? <laughs> my guy, it's been a minute, man. Like, I was, we was talking off air, man. I, I ain't seen you in a week. That ain't normal for us, man. You've been out here on the road again, out here getting the miles in, man. How you been, man? What you been up to, bro? Shoot, man. I mean, again, just... Just like you said, it's just on the road, family obligations and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I thank thank God for safe travel and, and mercy and all of that. And uh, that he's got me back back here ha- uh, home in the Queen City. I know that there was some, you know, some things going on down in Dallas and uh, some other things going on where I needed to get back here to get some straightening done in the Queen City, man, you know, real quick. Especially the basketball season around the corner, too. It's knocking. It's right there, man. But as you kind of started off with, there was some stuff going down in the Dallas. But uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump straight into it. Um, we'll go shoot some, shoot the people some scores, and then we'll talk a little bit about a couple of the games. Not many, but um, as we mentioned, without further ado, it was a big weekend in the NFL this weekend. Uh, as we start off in Thursday night football with the uh, Jaguars. And the Bengals. The Bengals took care of the Jaguars 24-21. Um, then moving on to Sunday, the Jets and the Titans took a, had, a, uh, had a whole football game, if I could learn to speak. The Jets took care of the Titans 27-24. to uh, The surprising Chiefs, who had lost two games prior, finally have evened their, score, their uh, record for the season 2-2 two and two with a win over the Eagles 42-30. Uh, the game that we'll go into a little, little bit later, the Panthers fall to the Cowboys 36-28. Uh, 
Giants over the Saints 27-21. The Browns over the Vikings 14-7. Lions fall to the Bears 24-14. Texans, man oh man, the dumpster fire that is Houston continues. Buffalo Bills 40 to nothing over the Texans. Uh, the Dolphins lose to the Colts 27-17. The Washington football team over the Falcons 34-30. Seattle Seahawks over the 49ers 28-21. The Cardinals, the surprising 4-0 Cardinals over the Rams 37-20. The Steelers over the Packers, excuse me, the Steelers lost to the Packers 17-27. Ravens over the Broncos 23-7. Another game we'll get into in just a few minutes, the Buccaneers over the Patriots, 19-17. to And then on Monday night football, the Chargers over the Raiders, 28-14. to Now, I know that um, in your travels, you didn't get a chance to watch a whole bunch of football, but um, I, I definitely do want to start off with the, um, the Panthers versus the Cowboys game. Naturally, big surprise, big shock where we want to start off with. Um, what was your overall thoughts about the game, man? Just, um, just overall, what were your thoughts on the game? I got twenty dollars on the field. <laughs> you won twenty dollars? No, that was my thought. Was I've got twenty dollars on this game? It's from a bet that I had, so that's uh, what I was thinking about primarily. Mm. So confident in the squad again, getting to that four and no. I was here for 2015. Right, right, right. When we won that uh, Thanksgiving Day matchup against the Cowboys, when everybody expected us to, once again, go to Dallas and lose. But uh, Luke Keekley had two interceptions in that game that uh, really kind of helped turn it away, turn that game around. And uh, Cam Newton had one rushing touchdown. That was the first game of the season that he didn't actually throw for a touchdown. But uh, we still came out with the victory that year. But, oh, man. Yeah. And that, the way that that year built up, the wins, we took care of the wins that we were supposed to get, of course, but then the wins that we were counted out of, as you've alluded to, um, it took special performances from special players. So you said Luke Keekley, I knew that we were kind of short-handed with McCaffrey and that it would take an outstanding performance. Um, I think Sam Donald did well, but and uh, I believe DJ Moore performed pretty well this yeah. past week, correct? He did, uh, yeah. But it was going to take it was going to take gargantuan performance from their offense and defense to go into Dallas without uh, Christian McCaffrey. And I know that I think you talked about it last week, but J.C. Horn, I just think it, he just looks like a linebacker at cornerback. Man, I, <laughs> like last week was the first time that I got to see him on television was um, last Thursday. Okay, and uh, you know, so I think that's just the. That was just a big loss for us, you know, um, and having those guys would have definitely made a difference going into Dallas. Absolutely. And the, and a lot of folks will point to the fact, well, y'all traded for C.J. Henderson. He was literally restricted to the Panthers side of the field because they were hollering from the sidelines what coverage he was supposed to do each play. He just with him just signing this week, passing his physical and passing COVID protocols and coming on the team, he wasn't even even able to completely learn the playbook. And so he was lined up on the Panthers side of the field the entire game to be able to get the calls on where he and what he was supposed to be doing during uh, each particular play that he was out there on the field. That coupled with incredibly poor offensive line uh, play and then just a horrific third quarter 
Um, now, there are some fans. There was uh, a previous a friend of the show here at Carolina Sports Talk. Uh, the Carolina King was on. Uh, he and I were talking a little bit, and um, he immediately pointed to the numerous bad calls, um, including the one with the forward progression having been stopped, and which negated a fumble, and they let on went on to score in that um, in that particular drive. But overall, I I I, I hate to be that guy, but I got to be that guy. Um, we all know that there is a certain level of politics and or quote unquote prescripted drama that's associated with each game. Um, and this one in particular, it felt a whole lot like the league wanted the Cowboys to win all down to the four letter network. It literally made me so angry the next morning when I was going to watch a lot of the early morning shows that next day, um, they they when doing the highlights of the game, they never showed not one Panthers touchdown, um, and 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 even when discussing it, it was all about the Cowboys, and they were like singing the praises of the Cowboys. Even like in the second half, the fourth quarter, when when the Panthers came back, I think throughout the whole highlight they said Panthers maybe once, but everything was completely about the Cowboys and how they were the best thing since sliced bread, and it made me mad. It pissed me off to the point that I was like, I am not watching this anymore, and I literally cut it off. Um, and, and it just lent kind of credence to the, the lack of respect that the Panthers get nationally. Um, and, and I realized that, okay, you got to win to be able to get respect. However, during that 15 and one season that we had throughout that entire year, we were screaming, we need our respect. We need our respect. And, and there were some who were saying, is this the worst, uh, 10 and old team in history? Is this the worst 12 and old team? Like, and, and it wasn't until literally when we just continue to go down a stretch and just beat people's heads in on the field. They were like, okay, well, they might be kind of good. It, 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 oh, it bothers my nerves, bro, how much or how little respect the Panthers get. Uh, and in this game in particular, knowing that we were down, yes, our best player. Uh, and, and, and Chuba Hubbard performed admirably. Um, but again, he's he's not Christian McCaffrey. Literally nobody is. Uh, and you couple that with you said, like, with with a linebacker over there lining up at the cornerback position, uh, being out of the lineup, and then just all of the guys that we kind of piecemealed in there. And at the end of the day, I do want to give the respect to Dallas. They are a quality team. Dak Prescott is playing lights out ball like he's never played before, completing seventy eight percent of his passes. I mean, who's doing that in the league? Nobody, you know. So I I will give the credit to the Dallas fans. Excuse me. Pause. Backspace and delete to the Dallas team. Their fans are trash. Have you seen? You. Have you had a chance to see any of those Dallas fans on social media, bro? I've had them texting me. <laughs> so during the game, I or, or during the game, and then even after the game, I had to cut my phone off because I just wasn't dealing with them. Um, for anybody that follows me on social media, I won't do it too often from the Carolina Sports Talk page, but from my personal page. I will roast whomever and whoever wants to come and get some. And so it just happened to be some Cowboys fans that were talking trash leading up to the game and even after the game. Um, and I was giving them everything I could. But overall, um, Dallas is 10-3 and three against Carolina all-time, although we had won the two previous matchups. Uh, it, it, we, we do fall to that 10-3 and three mark. Um, moving forward for the Panthers, what do you think are some of the things that they kind of need to work on in, in addition to getting Christian McCaffrey healthy? JC looks like he's very seriously in danger of being out for the remainder of the season. But in addition to those two things, what are you, some of the things you think they need to work on and clean up from this game to kind of move forward and uh, get back on track to the winning ways? 
I mean, um, it calls for a little bit more versatility in the offense. So, you know, again, people like your Hubbards or the um, who's that? Who is that third string running back? Oh, we wow. have a kind of fifth year guy. No, oh, I don't even know who the third string is at this point. Right, but um, and and I'm not even sure if he's made the roster really because it was preseason when I saw the guy. But okay, nevertheless, nevertheless um. He's got to step up and also uh, really like last year and the year before, Chen's got to kind of be the Palomalu or the, mm-hmm. the, the statement maker on defense and really start turning some of these games around as far as momentum. But, um, we're just having, whether it's tip balls go our way, pause, or um, just straight up interceptions, pick sixes, and, and things to make offenses pay for their turnovers. Like right. I've seen a lot of things where it's turnovers and the offenses don't get to pay for it really as they should. So we need Chen to step back, step up um, if I was naming names on the defense. Right. I think in addition to getting getting healthy and like you said, diversifying the offense. When even when Christian gets back, we need to ensure that um we're not just Christian the the fighting Christian McCaffrey's as one of the offensive linemen called him. Um but like I don't know what happened to Robbie Anderson, but he has been a ghost this entire year. Now, DJ has been getting off. Um, Terrence Marshall uh, in the slot has looked promising, but not yet consistent. We need everybody to step up. Even even, um, our quarterback, Sam, has looked good. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to have rushed for five touchdowns in his team's first four games. And so shout out to him for that. You know what I mean? We appreciate that. However, we need to eliminate some of the bonehead mistakes. The two, the back-to-back uh, picks on those two drives were very, very costly, and both of which led to Dallas points throughout the game. Yeah, this isn't the New York Jets, buddy. Right? <laughs> leave that, leave that up there. <laughs> yeah, you know, step your own, your personal standard of excellence. Step that up. This ain't, this ain't the New York Jets, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about us um, simply because the the culture seems like it's begun to shift. Um, but we'll see. I, I know that some are going to point to the schedule and say, "Oh, well, y'all got a, a soft schedule." Uh, the next five opponents of the Carolina Panthers have a combined five wins. Each team has one win, so uh, hopefully that's going to be enough to allow us the opportunity to get back to our winning ways and allow that defense to acclimate the newest acquisitions into their um, scheme and allow them to learn enough to be able to be ready so that when we do get into the tail end and the, the heavy portion of the schedule in the November and December months, that we'll be ready and, and, and kind of locked in and, and, and ready to go from it there. Seems, yeah, absolutely. It seems that some other NFC South teams have been beefing up their uh, defenses as well. It's odd enough that oh. you say that. No, no, really. Let's go ahead and address it because next up we were going to talk about the Buccaneers and the Patriots ga- uh, game. Mm-hmm. The Bucks have just uh, <laughs> signed some new defensive uh, assistants in the person of Mr. Richard Sherman out there at cornerback. Um, that that guy looks the part, man. I was really hoping we were going to be able to get him in Carolina, but uh, Tom Brady made a call and said, hey, man, come on, get another ring real quick. So when, it, when when Tampa Tom calls, you got to kind of pick up that phone and go. So I get it. But the Buccaneers did go into New England and catch a W. Um, dropping New England the, with their first three home games for the first time since 1993. Uh, now, the rookie in that one showed some promise. He looked good, but at the end of the day, 
there was no way that Tampa Tom was going to go back to New England and not win. I wish we had a chance to get Patriot Patty on today to see her thoughts and feelings, but just kind of in looking at some of her social media and her reactions during the time, you could tell she was definitely conflicted. She was kind of loving on Tom a little bit, but she she was diehard for her Patriots. Like, come on, let's go, let's go. So, uh, but uh, what what were your thoughts of the game overall? I mean, my first thought is that's your Patriot Patty impression. Come on, let's go, yeah. You right. know DJ High Storm. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. Ooh. Wait till she listens to uh, this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No. Um, again, I just thought about, oddly enough, Richard Sherman's success, does it deserve, like, the team success that he's been at, does it deserve any kind of, any kind of, like, value to be added to his legacy as far as what San Francisco did? Or was that, like, by happenstance that he was in San Francisco when they were doing their thing and performing? Uh, you know, I, I will say do this. Think, do you think talent or do you think uh, success trap follows him wherever he goes? That defense was a was formidable before he got there. But they with the injuries we're that they sustained. Say again. And we're talking about San Francisco? I'm talking about all. All, all the teams that he's played <laughs> for. So now San Fran, Seattle, and even this Buccaneers defense. Um, each team was good, he makes them better. He's not the greatest athlete to play the quarterback, the cornerback position. Where his value lies is in his cerebral ability to be a part of the team, to know where he's supposed to be. Uh, even in the game against the Patriots and watching him, um, he, he was associated with a lot of bump and, co- bump and run coverage in Seattle as well as in San Francisco. But with the schemes that those two teams ran with in, in a opposition to the Bucks. Uh, if he bumped the receiver, he would then stay typically in his area, uh, whereas in, with the Bucks, he's going to be uh, having to run with the receivers a little bit more as they do a lot of more of the crossing routes and things of that nature. So um, his physical ability may limit him from being able to be truly who he has been in the past in this particular scheme. But again, that that intelligence that he possesses to know where to be, to help others be in the proper positions, it's going to help him be a good fit and fill in for the, for the guys that they've had uh, the in, go down in, with injuries there in Tampa. But he, honestly, if if you got to say, rank him, I guess, in the all-time cornerbacks, you giving him top 50, top 25, top 10, where are you putting them? Uh, top, yeah, top 10 and top 15. Because if I sat and sat with myself and thought about it, there would be, you know, enough to fill up a 10 to 15 man roster before getting to him. But I think, like you alluded to, see, I played DB in, in high school. Okay. Um, stand out on JV. Yeah. And, uh, you JV know, All-Star, baby. You know, <laughs> two-year, two-year varsity kickoff team and punt team starter. So, um, I, you know, hold those on my jacket. <laughs> I was out there. As soon as somebody else scored, we was out there. But with being a DB, though, the thing that separated him, like you said, or separates him, is his aggression. Um, when, when it, you know, whether it's, it's the high risk, high reward thing. So he's gonna, he's gonna be aggressive whenever, like you said, his cerebral takes over, or whenever your, your, your um, brains take over in that matter or whatnot. And that's, that's where he, that's where all defensive standouts really 
like separate themselves from regular defensive players, right? They they have the guts to to you know what I mean, try to make that play or, or try to cause that turnover or cause ruckus and, and he does that again with knowing where to be and trying to jump that and be there a second early. Exactly. Uh overall I think uh the Buccaneers are looking like the Buccaneers, they're looking like the defending world champions who returned twenty two starters. They, they they over. I was worried for a second with in that first half. Uh, admittedly, prior to going to sleep, because you know I'm old and I fell asleep on the game. But um, in that first half, I was a little bit worried because the Patriots seemed like they wanted the ball. But even with acknowledging, and we do want to take a moment to acknowledge Tom Brady uh, for becoming the NFL's all time leading passer with regards to yards. Um, but um, yeah, no, nah, Tom was Tom. But that defense on the Patriots is the the star of that team. Uh, you give Mac. Two years, and I think they'll be back to dominating the AFC East. So as we move forward, I do want to uh, just touch on very briefly with the L.A. Chargers and the Raiders game. Um, Herbert, Justin Herbert is a quarterback, bro. Uh, I'm not sure if you had any chance to watch any of his games, but the young man played out there in Oregon, didn't get a whole lot of love because at the end of the day, who watches Oregon football other than Oregon fans? Um, and then even with him being still out there in L.A., a lot of folks don't see him. But he's the first quarterback since 1950 to reach 500 completions before his 20th start. The young man has a rifle for an arm. Um, and, and in addition to that, he is incredibly accurate and a cerebral player. So I can very easily see him being uh, one of those leaders of the new school. Um, him and the Kyler Murrays of the world and even your uh, Pat Mahomes. Those guys are the next Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's uh, moving forward. So. Um, with even with the poor class of quarterbacks that may be coming into the league next year, I anticipate that for a long time we're going to see some really high level play from a lot of these rookies and stuff moving forward. So, shout out to the Chargers for actually seeming like they got one right on that one. Yeah, I've got them on my uh, fantasy team, and that's the thing I think with these younger guys, mm-hmm. their first year or two, you can really steal a lot of you know. Hate to just jump to that industry, but you can steal a lot of fantasy points. A lot of those younger guys. I had Josh Allen last year. I got, mm. you know, Herbert on one of my squads this year. And it's like, you know, free money pretty much. Yep. Even though in that game particularly, Mike didn't get off like he uh, had been in the previous weeks. Uh, we mentioned it in a couple of that previous episodes on the fantasy shows and stuff that um, the, the receivers, Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, the, the back that they have there, they've got a really complete team, and that defense is starting to round into shape as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to make some noise out there in the AFC West this year. But if not, definitely next year and moving forward, they'll they'll be a force to reckon with, man. So, again, shout out to the Los Angeles Chargers. I always want to say San Diego, but we know that they're, you know, they're a little different out there. So uh, make sure you hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff, at carolinasportstalk.net. If you have any NFL quote, uh, quotes, questions, ideas, thoughts, outbursts, you agree with us, disagree with us, you want to give us your top 10 uh, cornerbacks, go ahead and shoot it over to Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net to be a part of the show. We've got a little prize pack for you that we will also send out for you. As we get ready to move forward, it is time for Big Deal or No Thing. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. We'll talk about some of the headlines across the sports land and tell you if it's a big deal or no thing and give you a little commentary on it. First up, the Los Angeles Lakers fall to the Brooklyn Nets 123-97 to in the first preseason game of the year. Big deal or no thing? No thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. I'm going to say big deal. That's a big deal. Why do you deal. say it ain't no thing? 
Can you read that sentence again? <laughs> well, you just right. want me to skip to the main idea of preseason? Yeah, I'm being sarcastic, yes. And it's the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a preseason game. See, for me, it's a big deal because at the end of the day, it's the Lakers, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were in right. Staples. makes it no like, I hear you, you New York knickerbocker. Uh, nah, like it's no, de- it's no thing. I'm not gonna cap. Nah, that ain't no thing. It's preseason. I like who watches preseason NBA basketball. I did not realize preseason was back around until um, we were on. I was on the group chat with fraternity, and Big E got on there after the Cowboys went, and he said, "Now that my Cowboy don't win, time to watch my Lakers." <laughs> and I said, Preseason. <laughs> hey, matter of fact, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. Preseason. Don't talk about preseason. You kidding me? <laughs> so yeah, no, it, it's not a thing, bro. I mean, it's it's cool that basketball is right around the corner and the Lakers are going to get, get number eighteen. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, no, that's not a thing. As we move forward, Clemson University football out of the top twenty-five. Big deal or no thing? Big deal. That's a big deal. Big deal. That's a big deal. What'd you say on it? Um, again, I alluded to it a couple weeks back, end of an era, but also college football is better when Clemson's in the top 10 and in the conversation. Um, college football is just better whenever they are. I say, uh, it's, I say it's a big deal, not just for Clemson University, the program themselves. Um, to have had that longest long that streak as long as they have, I think this is the first time since 2012 that they have not been in the top 25. But um, it's a big deal for the ACC as well because without Clemson and with UNC, who was their second hope, the ACC could very likely not have a contender for the national championship, which would be the first time since the playoffs were established that they've not been in contention. So um, it's a huge deal. I do believe, however, that there's going to be one thing that's going to be essential for Clemson to return to the prominence that they are used to, and that is for Dabble Sweeney to adjust and learn um, and start looking into the transfer portal. He has been, during his tenure, very adamant about, oh, we're like our homegrown talent here. We're just little old Clemson. But um, similar to how Coach K early on in his career was like, well, not early on, but for majority of his career was like, no, I don't like the one and dones. I don't like um, the transfers. I, I don't like that. And so as he began to realize what the lay of the land was and how the culture was changing, then he saw you started seeing a lot more of the Austin Rivers and the Kyries coming, those players who were that one and done caliber player as opposed to the, the four-year starters. He learned to be able to be adaptable and change. Even in Alabama, you see a lot of those guys who come in and out and transfer there. Nick Saban has learned how to... Uh, adjust his thinking and his theories to be able to reflect that. The sooner that Clemson does that, the better that they'll be. DJ Ungulungule is not the quarterback that they anticipated, expected, or need to be able to be a top contender. The defense is, by by everyone's measures, still a national championship-style defense. But that offense is not there this year, and if he does not get somebody in the transfer portal, he better have the all-world quarterback coming in, freshman starter next year, ready to go, because Otherwise, Clemson will remain out of the top 25 and kind of get passed by. So I think that's a real big deal. Uh, moving forward, Kyrie is unable to practice with the Nets due to New York's COVID protocols. Big deal or no thing? I'm going to say no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. 
and I'm going to go the opposite way. That's a big deal. I'm going to start with this one. I say it's a big deal simply because the continuity uh, or the lack of continuity was reflected last year uh, when it came down to the stretch. Now, at the end of the day, you've got the offensive firepower of um, Harden and you've got Stretch McGee uh, out there on <laughs> on the court, too, and Kevin Durant. Uh, but for them to be able to learn and implement new plays, because at the end of the day, Coach D'Antoni is gone. And so they'll be, even though the system may be similar, it's a different system. And so they're going to need to take the time to learn that new system and to be put into position to be successful. The longer that he's not there, the further he is going to be behind when he does get there. And not to mention the fact that I don't know that he's going to take the vaccine. And so we very well could not see Kyrie Irving in a Brooklyn Nets uniform moving forward. So for me, it's a big deal. What'd you say? Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, there's no thing for me, just frankly, because I'm already there where you're saying that we may get to, I'm already there. And I think that some people in the Nets organization may already be there as well. I don't think that the, not rumors, but I don't think that the news stories would be as loud as they are right now if if certain people inside the organization didn't have you know information pointing to the fact that we're already there at a place that people don't want to get to where it's um, going to be an unwavering Kyrie and an unwavering NBA or Brooklyn Nets organization or New York vaccine um, laws and, and stuff and there's not going to be a compromise to be made so therefore um, I, I like to say no thing because Again, I think that there's some people that's already forecasted this and prepared for them to get to this uh, to this place. You think the Nets are still the favorite in the East without Kyrie? No, no. Where you put? No. And we'll get we'll we'll have a basketball episode coming up soon. But where you think your Nets are finished? Your Knicks, excuse me, will finish this season? Top four, top five in the East? Yeah, I would say yeah, bottom of the middle tier. Wow, someone like the Nets without a Kyrie would be right there at the top of the middle tier. Um, okay. Yeah, leaving space for about two to maybe three teams to dominate in the East, but mainly it'll be it'll be a big two. It'll probably be, honestly, it may be like um, um, Milwaukee, Toronto. Yeah, Milwaukee definitely, and then perhaps Toronto or perhaps like a Miami. Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to dominate and, and kind of take over if, if Kyrie's not there. Where, again, Brooklyn will fall to, like, a top of the middle tier of the East Coast teams. I will like say... Like, a hot to make the playoffs, but... Gotcha. I will say that I'm excited for basketball, and specifically in the East, with all of the off-season acquisitions that the Bulls have made, um, this might be a year for them to kind of be making some noise. And so them and Miami are going to be my two teams in the East to kind of watch and keep an eye out for. So like I said, we'll have another basketball episode coming up soon and we can talk a little bit more about it. Uh, and if you guys want to hear some more basketball talk, again, hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Uh, moving forward, our last uh, big deal, no thing. Bubba Wallace wins at Talladega, becoming the second black driver to win a NASCAR Cup race. Big deal, no thing. Big deal. That's a big deal. I agree. That's a big deal. What you say on it? Do you know who the first black driver to win a NASCAR Cup race was? I personally know only because I uh, stopped and looked, but the average person, no. 
Now, yeah, you can go ahead and give him his give him his flowers. Um, actually, he um, uh, Richard Pryor actually played him in a movie portraying him. I think the movie's called like Grease Lightning or something like that. Oh, honestly, okay. And he's in Charlotte's NASCAR Hall of Fame. Of course, was inducted in 2015. So. While we were making jest of it earlier, that it's just not well known that first, right. you know what I mean? Black driver. Now I say it's a big deal, of course, because this generation they have a face to put, um, a face to a name and stuff like that, and just something to associate it with. Like a lot of people don't know again of that Wendell Scott story, and or and or have not seen that movie. Um, again, I believe it's called Grease Lightning or what or whatnot, and it's starring Richard Pryor, but. Um, yeah, so let's see. Yeah, Grease Lightning. Okay. Grease Lightning. So shout out. But yeah, shout out to you in that quick research, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you gotta be on with it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, no, like you said, 1963. And then in that race, particularly, he wasn't declared the victory until after Buck Baker had already run the trophy. And so. They didn't even want to acknowledge that he had won back then because a black driver in NASCAR back then was like unheard of almost as much as it is now. And so for Bubba to be able to um, to, to, to make the difference and and some are, there's going to be some who say, oh, he won the race after it was stopped and all that. And da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, the man won the race um, and Bubba has been getting a lot of feedback and a lot of slack for being as uh, vocal as he is for black rights and supporting the black lives, um, black lives matter movement and things of that nature. But um, I, at the end of the day, respect him for what he's doing in his sport. One, two, he's a little bit more humanized for me. His sister actually went to South Carolina state university. Um, and so in um, still being Facebook friends, social media friends with her and having a chance to like see him in their home environment and, and see just the, um, for lack of a better word, rigmarole of his daily activities just from her being around him as much as he is. Um, I, I'd see a, a person, a human, and, and to see him being able to be that successful in a field that not many African Americans are successful, for me, it's a huge deal. Anytime representation can be had in an, a platform and in a venue that is not as prevalent, I'm all for it. So shout out to Bubba. Uh, for go ahead and, and, and getting one of the biggest races in um, in the, in the sport in NASCAR. So shout out to him. Frankly, if you're in the Charlotte area, maybe uh, you know you need something to do or looking for something to do, go ahead and stop by the NASCAR Hall of Fame. They actually got a great, awesome um, exhibit on um, Wendell Scott, where it, it goes through and tells his story and some of the uh, obstacles that he went through. With on his way to, you know what I mean, to his success in NASCAR. Definitely, definitely. Shout out to NASCAR NASCAR Hall of Fame. If y'all are looking for shows to sponsor, you know what I'm saying, Carolina Sports <laughs> you know? Talk, we out here, Crux Media. Hit, tell your people to holler at my people and we can get it done. Uh, as we move forward, I am excited about our next topic. Um, in looking at the performances of um, Kyla Murray and the Patrick Mahomes of the world and others, who are um, the quintessential at this part at this point in in the NFL? You you got to have a certain a certain level of mobility just to be able to pretty much be efficient these days. But um, there's a certain amount of guys throughout time who have stood out and kind of just shown themselves to be above and beyond a cut above. And so what we're going to do, we are going to list our 
top three mobile quarterbacks in NFL history. Um, so do, do you want to flip a coin to see who's going to go first, bro? You want me to go first? You want to go? What you want to do? Um, we can go one for one, maybe. Nah, I want to do all of it. Or, okay. you know what I'm so I'll let you go ahead right. and go first, bro. No, I'll, I'll allow you to go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Please, please. So my list is uh, pretty, pretty spot on, if I do say so myself. I do want to give some honorable mentions. Um, whoa, 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 <laughs> Slow hey. that boat down, because I'm going to be digging yeah. all of your list. Look, and, and with respect, let's give our honorable mentions on the back end so it doesn't look crazy, perhaps. I, we give our first, so I just, listen, <laughs> don't want to leave any room. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go three, two, and then one. So I'll start with three, and I'm going to just give you some of his accolades, um, and and then we'll go from there. Seventh highest passer rating in NFL history with a career passer rating of 96.8. Most consecutive times leading the league in passer rating. Most times led the league in passer rating. Uh, He's one of seven quarterbacks to lead the league in touchdown passes four separate times. He's got the most touchdown play- passes in a playoff game, most t- most touchdown passes in one Super Bowl, most rushing yards by a quarterback in the postseason with 594, most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in postseason career uh, with eight. Uh, he was the leader of the San Francisco 49ers. I am, in fact, speaking of none other than number eight, Steve Young. Um, Steve, I wasn't, I've never been a 49ers fan, but at the end of the day, the respect that I have for that team, my uncle was a hard down, uh, San Francisco 49ers fan. I can remember watching Super Bowls over at his house as a kid with the 49ers in them and just how fanatic he was about it. My dad wasn't a real big or isn't a real big football fan to this day. He's a fan of the bears. But if I'd be like, so dad, who's the bears quarterback? Oh no. Uh, but, <laughs> but my uncle, much like myself, he he could spit the stats. He could tell you how many times that the Super Bowl went down to the fourth quarter with his 49ers. And so I, just watching them growing up, I had a, an appreciation for Steve Young as a quarterback and just respect for who he was um, and taking over for Jamantown and all of that and just, just being a high-level quarterback, man. So, yeah, shout out to him. Number two. Um, this gentleman was the NFL MVP in 2015. He won the Offensive Player of the Year. He won the several awards, including All-Rookie Team, Offensive Rookie of the Month, uh, NFL Rookie of the Year, the 10-time NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He, in college, was an All-American national champion. Um, during his rookie season, he set numerous uh, numerous of uh, records, including most combined touchdowns for a rookie in NFL history, the first rookie in NFL history to pass for at least 4,000 yards, the first and only r- rookie to pass for more than 4,000 and rush for more than 700. He was the first rookie, first NFL um, rookie in NFL history to pass for more than 400 yards and back-to-back games against the Cardinals and the Packers. And in this instance, he's the man that set Charlotte on fire. In 2015, with a dab and a 15 and one record, of course, I am talking none other than Superman, Super Cam himself, with 31,698 passing yards. And then in Russian, this man has 5,398, nearly 5,400 rushing yards 
as well. Cam Newton, for me, and the reason that he's as high as he is on my rushing list, he did it with a different style. Uh, a lot of the previous mobile, mobile quarterbacks, um, like your uh, Steve Young and even like my number one rusher, were six foot one. They were smaller guys who were just quick and elusive, who were primary pocket passers, but still, you know, could elusively just kind of and, and jet out the backfield. But um, Cam was different. Cam was a bowling ball. He had the speed, but he had size alongside it that could literally run folks over and then separate from them with the speed. And then, as I mentioned, my number one, uh, during his time with one, two, three separate teams, this man amassed 6,109 rushing yards. Um, he he had some controversy, but at the end of the day, there is, I don't think there's many who could not have him at number one, Mr. Mike Vick himself, lightning in a bottle in Atlanta. There were many times watching that guy and playing against him twice a year in the NFC South, it, just watching that dude be elusive and just – Make plays like nothing else. If you gave him, even going back to his days at Virginia Tech, I was a Virginia Tech fan for the two years that he was there as a starter, just simply because he was that electric and and just on fire. Every time he touched the ball, he was a threat to score, whether it be passing with his accuracy and, uh, and that left arm slinging that ball. I once watched him kneel down on the 10-yard line uh, and throw the ball 70 yards down the field from one knee. Uh, so he had an arm to go along with it. But, yeah, now Mike Vick is definitely, uh, in my book, the ultimate running quarterback, man. So that's my list. Number three, Steve Young. Number two, Cam Newton. And number one, Michael Vick. I started to give his middle name. What's Mike Vick's middle name? Dwayne. <laughs> Michael Dwayne Vick. <laughs> All right, bro. So, shoot. Give me your top three. Um. Well, I'll start off um, – my number three uh, gentleman, I, I was at Claflin from 2004 to 2008, and this gentleman, he was on my PlayStation 2 on uh, NFL 2K5. But Donovan McNabb, um, along with being on the Chunky Soup commercials, really bought um, the thing that he bought to the mobile, the mobile quarterback. Uh, he was not slim at all, of course. Mm-hmm. But he extended the play, um, extended plays for receivers and for skilled players on his team, like your, um, what you do, Staley's of the world or Brian Westbrook's of the world, of course. But um, all skilled players, rather, of course, T.O. And, and everything like that, he was able to extend plays to help them, um, to help them, uh, you know, throughout his years. He had his little Super Bowl, you know, Sunday appearance. And he was a, a marketable guy. I don't have the the pomp and circumstance of, of your introductions for these people. But uh, <laughs> moving on to number two, uh, somebody that wouldn't be in a lot of people's top three, but is often overlooked whenever he gets talked about and is who a lot of your favorites, like Brett Favre and Steve Young, get their style from. But one friend, Tarkenton. He's going to be my number two. Um, and I think him coming into the league, I believe he went to Navy for four years, if I'm not mistaken. But him coming into the league, his offense or the offense built around him was primarily, um, was primarily again, like with rushing and stuff like that and running. So I think 
you know, different nicknames that they had for him, of course, like Scrambling Fran and the Mad Scrambler and stuff like that. You know, he was he was known as the elusive quarterback, one of the earlier elusive quarterbacks. Um, and number my number one, uh, again, because we're not giving honorable mentions right now, mm-hmm. but my number one is Randall Cunningham. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really one of the first black superheroes or black supermen that I and was able to see on um, on Sundays. Uh, first with the with the Eagles, of course, and then. Um, what with the Vikings later on in his career, I want to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but shout out to Randall Cunningham, six four, two hundred fifteen pounds. Like I said, one of the larger um, quarterbacks. Just seeing, you know, him, and then him being a black guy running away from all of these defenders and stuff like that, or making a miss, um, and and being electric on Sunday. It was just you know something to see. And I think again, as much credit as we give to you, Michael Vick's of the world, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Lamar Jackson's, all of that. If they were around, of course, these younger guys may have been infants around then or not even been alive, really, mm-hmm. when when the guy was playing. But some of their favorites watched Randall Cunningham. So your Donovan McNabbs of the world, Michael Vicks of the world, watched Randall Cunningham when they was growing up. Cordos, well, look, let's go ahead and go to the, to the Yeah, you go. Right? You was, before we get okay. into our honorable mentions, I got to ask. Now, to give our listeners a little bit peek behind the curtain. Now, I know you wanted to... Uh, we, I, I mentioned and shared mine with you, and you didn't want to uh, duplicate any of the same ones. But um, you really don't have Mike Vick as the greatest of all time, bro? No. But, um, again, it's subjective. It's subjective, and, again, it's a show. So when you said that, you said, I don't. You said something along the lines of, I don't feel like there's many people that won't have him as their number one. I was gonna come right in and interrupt you and say I will because you gotta measure number one. But um no, for the sake of the show, <laughs> no. And again, I think where my three my three still make sense and can hold up in a barbershop argument um any day of the week as far as I, I have a strong three and the thing is again the things are introduced and then take it to another level, right? So T-Pain introduced the auto-tune. Right. Kanye, Lil Wayne, all of these guys took it to the next level. Fact. You feel me? So I do still want to give credit to where you know, Cool Mo D and, and a Cool G rap and Big Daddy Kane and Rakim introduced certain rap, right? And then your Jay-Zs and all of them took it to another level. So I still got to give credit to Randall Cunningham. But again, like you said, that's before moving on to the honorable mentions. And again, in the spirit of us having a great show, I wasn't going to pick your same three. <laughs> well, and for but, that reason, well, I will I will give you that. I had two of your three, though. Okay, yeah, no, nah, I, I that 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 I have to be a debate for off air because, uh, yeah. So as I look into my honorable mention, uh, you just mentioned one of them, Cordell Stewart. I, I liked him a lot less because he was a Steelers uh, player back then. I did not like the Steelers. But respects to him as a quarterback, as one of the, the again, as you mentioned, not I won't say pioneers, but he was one of the innovators. Um, Steve McNair, another that was just a, before Let's his time. Let's move on for Cordell so quickly. I'm sorry to cut you off, uh-huh. brother. All right, just want to give him credit as well. It was um, a notable, 
80-yard touchdown that he had against the Panthers in 1996. Yeah, no, nah, I don't care too much about that. <laughs> I don't too much care about that. Now, I will say, uh, during that time, especially in the in, in the early years, a lot of folks don't realize, but I, I pay homage to the to the South Carolina Steelers, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, because a lot of the leadership that we had during that time came from the Steelers. Even some of the players in the expansion draft, we got a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers. And so similar to how what has established the Buffalo Bills to be who they are has a very distinctive Panther touch, uh, Panther touch feel or outline to it. The Panthers in in our infancy and even in creation had a very distinct Pittsburgh feel to it. So there might have been those who were saying, "Oh, that's the Pittsburgh South team," just the same way we were calling the Buffalo Bills the Panther North team. So um, shout out to the Steelers. I, I will not ever admit that again. So they'll have to listen to this on repeat. But um, we we definitely had uh, pause the DNA of the Steelers on our franchise. But yeah, Steve McNair, man, um, that guy there, and, and my brother just. Oh. Hard down Titans fan, man. And so to watch, if I was watching football with him, we were watching the Titans. And so uh, watching him being able to get there. I did like your Donovan McNabb. Respects to him in Philly. Um, there have been a lot. Even going back to Roger Staubach with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, there have been a lot of really great uh, running quarterbacks through history. Who who I'll make sure uh, honorable mention list. Who's your number three once again? Roger Staubach oh, on, on my list. Yeah. Oh, uh, Steve Young. I went Steve Young, Cam Newton, Michael Vick. Cam Newton, right, right, right. Okay. So, um, yeah, Roger Staubach, he was an honorable mention. It was very close between him and Fran Fran Tarkenton that I was going to put on my list. Steve Young was an honorable mention on my list because I heard him from you. Again, Mike Vick, another uh, high, the highest honorable mention on my list because I heard it from you. Um, let me see here. Also, Aaron Rodgers, um, honorable mention on my list. He kind of reinvented to me the the he reintroduced the white mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded the league, like, yo, don't get it messed up. It's not just Tom Brady and Peyton Manning's out here or whatever like that. And it was him. He was the first of that new generation of this Josh Allen's of the world, and and even Sam Donald. He kind of he he gets it. I, I saw Sam Donald kind of scurrying up the field couple times and like you said earlier in your introduction it's become a part of your arsenal that you need to have as a quarterback and the funny thing I think is is you imagine um, just to I guess to take it off of football for a second and make it a soft story but you imagine the looks that some of the African-American quarterbacks would get in just coming in and interviewing for the job or for the position where it's almost assumed like I want you to be the fastest thing on this field you hear, or like, you know, I, you need to have these superpowers to be able to, to mm-hmm. even, you know, get on the team. Whereas somebody else, a white counterpart, may just have to strictly run an offense and know a playbook and be able to execute plays. Right. You have to do some extraordinary Superman type stuff. So when you saw the Steve McNears of the world, the Cordell Stewarts of the world, they was doing some fancy stuff that we started doing playing flag football. You know what I mean? <laughs> when we were calling ourselves them. So big shout out to to all of those pioneers as, as mo- mobile quarterbacks, rather. Yeah, and you mentioned the the white scrambling quarterback. Daniel Jones is incredibly elusive. Like watching him with the Giants, it's it's first of all, only reason I'm watching is because he's on my fantasy squad. But he is a runner. 
Like he has the speed, he has the 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 truck ability. Like, bro is a running quarterback, man. So shout out to Daniel Jones, man. Now, if he could get an offensive line and stop throwing interceptions, he well, might be all right. W, the W's are pretty elusive to the Giants as well. <laughs> so, you know what? Just for that one, I I gotta go ahead and uh give give the uh Lord, where the button go? I guess I ain't got the button no more. Yeah, dude. Bum. <laughs> yeah, that's all for them right there, man. Because, yeah, they, they, as much as he is eluding those defenders, the wins are eluding the team. Uh, but, yeah, before we get out of here, we've got two more quick topics. One of them is our nothing to do with sports. So I'm going to sling that over to you and let you take that away. All right. Well, pause on the sling it over to me. And secondly, wanted to go ahead on nothing to do with sports real quick. I want to give a big shout out to what I call this new generation of super producers. Now with it being fall slash winter coming up, TV is really taking back over. And um, of course, movies are back as well. But um, just a quick shout out to the macro vision of a lot of super producers nowadays. So you're um, Courtney Kempson, 50 Cents of the World, and also uh, my guy over at the Sopranos, uh, the Sopranos family or the Sopranos world. But they're taking a lot of um, cues from the MCU, and people are pitching not just one show, but an entire world, right? So first shout out to the Power Universe, uh, Raising Kanan, um, the, the Ghost thing, and then Tariq and all of that stuff. All of that is mad fly, mad fly. Secondly, with the Sopranos, just the Many Saints of Newark had just released on HBO Max and is in theaters as well. And it tells the story from the lens of young Chris, um, Chris DeSantis or DeSanto, whoever Tony's nephew um, or, you know, was in the, in the um, Sopranos. It tells the story kind of of their family. So of their father, of his father and Tony's father, their grandfather. It's an awesome movie. Um, check it out but i wanted to just salute um again the macro producing and the macro thinking of these producers where they're not just thinking i'm going to put out one project they're thinking of connecting it to different worlds and making it its own universe and giving the fans or having really invested fans for doing so that's what's up shout out to them man just before we go there is uh, a special announcement that i want to give um and so th this one goes out to my guy, number 16 in the purple and gold, Mr. Paul Gasol. Paul uh, is retiring after 19 years in the NBA. Shout out to my guy. The Lakers will hang up his number 16 in the rafters. Um, Paul is most often and most famously known somewhat for his time in, in as a Grizzly but mostly for being Kobe's wingman for two of those championships without Shaq. So shout out to Powell. Um, I appreciate you, man. We, I really enjoyed watching that guy play basketball, just the, the, the heads up play that he had and just, just the tenacity he played with. And the fact that if you can get along with Kobe, man, you, you, you already a different kind of dude, man. So well, yeah, shout yeah, out to Gigi, I'm, them uncle, man, uncle Powell. I was going to mention that, man. Um, Outside of the athlete and, of course, the competitor that he was on the court, um, his relationship 
to Kobe's daughters. I'm thinking maybe in a godfather capacity, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. But somewhere along the lines, again, when whenever um, you know the tragic passing of of Kobe and the transitioning of all those passengers on that on that helicopter flight, um, I remember Powell being in in the news in a positive way with something that, as far as with providing some kind of assistance or support toward their family during that time. Um, but he's just a stand-up guy, I remember. That stands out to me from from that time, in other words. so. And, I mean, what is it now, though, bro, we're coming up on? Is it two years? So it happened in 2020. So um, in, Janu- uh, in January, right, it'll be right, two years. Right, right, as kind of the wow. – they didn't see the height of COVID. They didn't even – they didn't see any of kind of – they saw some of it, but they didn't see the peak of COVID. It was kind of the, the quote-unquote – rhymes with Bionese flu, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, because they they, they passed the, the end of January and then COVID really started blowing in March. Yeah, man, oh man, oh man. It, it doesn't seem like this time has been that long, but it's like you said, January be two years since Kobe been out of here, bro. So, yo, man, yeah, shout out to Pakistan and that, and that career and RIP Kobe, man. As we're getting ready to get out of here, bro, you got anything you want to holler at the people, man, leave them with? Um... Hey man, uh, stay blessed and prosperous. Be good or be good at it. Hey, <laughs> short and sweet like that, man. If you don't know my social by now, uh, you can look in the description of the show and follow it. I'm pretty tired of, of spelling it out because I think <laughs> that you guys don't listen to me. And as always, I'm your man, Big Cliff. Thank you for listening to Carolina Sports Talk. Uh, you can check us out on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. Make sure you hit us up on social media at Carolina Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram or hit us on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Until next time, peace.